Travis, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I don't know you well, but that's what this is for, is to chat and get to know each other and hear each other's stories. You were recommended by Tommy, who's been on the podcast, who I love, and I just think the world of him. So you are highly recommended. So Travis, mm-hmm. just give me some background. Tell me your story. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you introduction and kind of like brief into my testimony. I'm 41. I am husband, father of four. I'm married to my second wife, Leslie. We have a blended and blessed family. I have two. She has two. I'll get into those guys a little later. And together we have a few different businesses and are really yoked to a church here in South Louisiana. But I met Tommy seeking, man. In 2022, 21 to 22, my wife and I, we were on a wilderness period. I won't lie. We were dating and we were both overcoming our first failed marriage. Will you tell me what a wilderness uh, period means? Yeah, I was just away from, I wasn't following God. I was still a believer. But in my mind, a wilderness period was I was off living my own thing. I was imposing my own will for my life versus following God's will for my life. I'm still a believer, still a Christian. Leslie actually led me back into the church that we're in now. So in that period, I just wanted more. I wanted a deeper connection. I wanted to live in relationship, not in religion. And so I do what the most common thing is get on Instagram. And at the time I was, I look at my life in four quadrants, faith, family, finance, and fitness. And I was at that time, I wanted to be, I was trying to get my body in shape and I was doing a couple workouts and I ran across Steve Weatherford, who was a former NFL Super Bowl champion punter for the New York Giants, New Orleans Saints. Steve and I link up on Instagram and I asked him about a workout video and I I got on board. And then all of a sudden I'm doing the workout video and Steve just disappears from the internet. And then I'm still going through the program. And when he reappears into my life of social media, he brings with him a completely rejuvenated sense of relationship. He was just a man after God's own heart. He was just on fire for the Lord and everything that he did was spiritually based. I know who Steve Weatherford is. Will you explain who he is? Yeah, he... So he is a a two-time or one-time Super Bowl champion. He was NFL's fittest man two different times, NFL man of the year one time, I believe. And now he is, he lives out of Frisco, Texas. He moved his entire life from San Diego to follow God through a church called Elevate Life in Frisco, Texas. I actually sent him a video last week telling him that I believe that his NFL prowess and when you are elite level athlete throughout your whole life, you get thrown into fires of elite men. And when you continue to rise above and continue to become the elite of the elite, his filter for drawing in men of the cloth and men after God's own heart and the right kind of men is elite. So I just sent him a video saying you are the best fisher of men and you put so many valuable relationships into my life, I want to honor you for that. So Steve is just an amazing man of God. He's got a podcast now, and he lives his life, his family life, as a prophet, priest, king, and warrior, and is just on fire for the kingdom. Dude, he is so fit. (laughs) It's amazing. It's hard to believe that we're the same age. And look, I've worked out with him. I've got pictures of him and I together, and I'm like, man, I put a lot of time into my body, and I'm not where he's at. Dude, is he 41? He's our age? 41. I'm 40. Yeah, I turned yeah. turn 41 next week, dude. I'm right there with you. He's 40. I believe he turns 41. 
or just turned 40 and I turned 42 in October. So was um, he religious in the NFL or was that a later thing? He was. He had he was, went through wilderness period. And you can go and look at his podcast and he gives us full testimony on what happened on why he retired early because it was a lack of fulfillment. Even though he won a Super Bowl, he felt a lack of fulfillment. And so I was at that point when I found his workout program. And then he comes back on social media, basically launching out challenges of guys, guys who want to pursue a relationship with God. You want to, you want to see what's possible. You want to be a philanthropist, a kingdom man, an entrepreneur, a husband, father. You want to do all these things. You got to do it in a community of like-minded men. And so I signed up, hit a pay landing page. I end up a few days later, my wife and I are on the beach in Punta Cana on a vacation. And I get a phone call from Texas and it's Steve's assistant. His name's Pierce. And he's, I'm screening you for a call. We selected you to be on the, on, in, in Man Academy. And then I'm going to put you on a call with Steve. But I want to ask why you want to be here. And in so many words, I just said, I, I got a father wound. I'm reading a book at that point in my life. I'm reading a book called Fathered by God by John Eldridge. Highly recommend if you're a man with a father wound from any aspect. And I'd love to dive into that a little later. But I, I was at that point, man. I had money, had a beautiful wife. I had success. I had influence. But I just felt incomplete. And it was a tribe. It was a brotherhood that I was missing. I learned about every man needing a Paul, a spiritual father, a Barnabas, a spiritual brother, and a Timothy, someone that you pour into. And I found that when I joined this program. Steve and I have become amazing friends. I am now a coach in his program. And the fruit of that investment, paying the price to get in the room was I did a, I started writing them down, man. I, I developed 72 plus heart and soul level relationships with elite level men pursuing the Lord, a relationship with the Lord and trying to be live in the, in the kingdom as full prophet, priest, king, and warrior. So it is immeasurable what it brought to my life. Tommy McAllister, high level husband, is now my best friend. He lives in Las Vegas. I live in Louisiana. And our encouragement, him and I shot a podcast together that I didn't record. And part of it, it was two things. When God calls you to get in the room, man, pay the price. If you're convicted and God's saying, get in this room, whether it's money, time, whatever, pay the price because the fruit of relationship is an immeasurable fruit that is built on the right foundation. And I've made the most impeccable, amazing friends who I now can call for literally anything, prayer, spiritual maturity, somebody to breathe life into me, talk about business finance. I didn't have that before. And I feel like now I'm at a point in my life where I'm not seeking anymore. I'm seeking the Lord, but I'm fulfilled in so many ways. And it's because I listened to God's call and got in a room. Dude, that's so awesome, man. I, I recently joined a group. I interviewed a guy I found on the internet named Jordan Adams. He does the Stoic Dad, and it's fitness. It's accountability yeah. calls, and there's a big group. We're always DMing each other and group chats. And dude, just that accountability and positivity. I, I haven't met any of these people in person, but we will because there's a mastermind coming up yeah. in September and stuff. But sure. dude, just having that accountability and that positivity is indescribable how important that is. And I'd never, I, I've had a really good, solid group of friends growing up. I, I've had that brotherhood, but I don't know that I've been that like-minded in the fitness, faith, and that type of thing, which is so powerful. You were in your wilderness period. 
Why do you think you wanted that so bad? What was your life like before to drive you to seek that? Yeah, God-sized hole in my heart, man. Just a hole that there, what only he could fill. I was told several times before, man, you got a great testimony. You should really adopt a 60-second, a six-minute, and a 60-minute version of your testimony, depending on what the audience is. And I'll run through it now. I grew up from a divorced family. We become what's modeled for us in our home. If we don't use God as our source of fuel, our source of energy, our source of life, like his word tells us, we will easily fail safe to what was modeled for us. So in my family growing up, adultery was modeled. Alcohol and drug abuse was modeled. Infidelity was modeled. There were just so many things and I messed around and became the one thing I despised the most, which is what was modeled for me because I was doing it without Jesus as the Lord of my life and the center of my life. So I ended up at the lowest point of my life, man. I was an adulterer. I committed adultery on my ex-wife. And we had ended up having a terrible last couple years of marriage. Just she was, we were both in a, in a period of not living out any type of, of godly or biblical version of marriage. And our kids were suffering. So we agreed that it was time to move on. And all we were doing was causing each other pain. And at that point, man, I really just, I realized that I had to fix me. Like I can name a list of reasons why she wasn't the woman for me. If you want to go down a soapbox of why my marriage didn't work out, we can. But at the end of the day, it was my fault. I was an incomplete human being living out what was modeled for me and was really a poor excuse of a biblical man in dictation of what a biblical man is. And so during that period of singleness and trying to revitalize the years of fatherhood that I wasted chasing shiny objects, money and influence and stuff like that. I let a marriage slip away and I let a relationship with my kids get diminished. I didn't teach my oldest daughter how to ride a bike because I was out chasing money and influence and women and just trying to fill a hole in my heart that I didn't know it existed and I didn't know why it existed. And so by the literally divine intervention, God put Leslie into my life and she had a strong church-based foundation. She was a a product of a bad, abusive first marriage. And it's amazing how God works is he put a woman in my life who literally was the polar opposite of my first wife. And I mean that in a very respectful way. I mean that in a positive and negative way. God wasn't done with me. He still had a plan for my life. Even though I'm referencing John chapter 15, verses one through seven, I was going through a pruning period. God cuts off every branch in us that bears fruit so that it might be even more fruitful. And what we do is we get caught up in focusing on the scissor instead of the outcome of the pruning. And so in my divorce period, in my revitalization of my love life with Leslie, I realized that what God gave me the second go around, I had to be a much better steward. I had an opportunity to not only steward a woman as a wife again, I had an opportunity to steward my own children. I have a teenage daughter who's going to be graduating. I wanted to model what she should be looking for in a man and also how she should be treated. And also do the same thing for my two kids my, my two children, my blessed children that Leslie brought into my life. So I wanted to be a better father. I wanted to be a legacy-minded father, thinking with the end in mind. I wanted a dynamic marriage that drew people in. And I just realized that through church, I couldn't do it without a relationship 
with the Lord. Leslie led me back into that and getting in the program with Steve put some amazing accountability partners, amazing Barnabases in my life. I now have spiritual fathers breathing into my life. And what made it full circle was now the men that I'm leading, my Timothys, if I'm going to speak it and I'm going to teach it and I'm going to live it, that's the best accountability partner a man could have because every man wants to have influence. Every man wants to be an encourager. Every man wants to be a leader. But what do you do with that influence? How do you steward that when you get it? That is the true sharpening that Proverbs 17, 17 talks about, about a brother being there for a time of adversity and a friend being there for a time of love. I just, I've sharpened myself through the word and through my relationship with God in a crazy amount of ways. And so the last part of my testimony I'd like to share was something that happened recent. And I'm going to skirt around the details because I want people to get the message, but my son was a victim of it. So I want to stress this to guys out there who might be listening to the podcast who are like, man, you know what? I got a God-sized hole in my heart too. And I don't know what I can do. I don't know if what I'm doing, whether it's porn or lust or any type of Whatever I'm using, whether it's drugs or whatever the case may be, or just procrastination, whatever it is that I'm making the main thing, my my idol, if you will, the deep idol of significance or comfort, whatever I'm using in place of a relationship with God, you will ultimately become that. And those sins fall on seven generations. I was a, a lust person. I had an addiction to sex. I had an addiction to physical interaction because that is the only way I could add value to myself. So I became that. And that sin fell on my children. My son, my nine-year-old son last year was a, I'm sorry, wow, was a victim of, of a sexual sin. You know, ultimately he paid a price that, that my sins cost. And where I'm at now is living life with the blessing and the generational legacy side. Bible tells us that falls on a thousand years. So at any point in time, time we're ready to die to self. We are not the mistakes of our past. However, if we don't get a hold of them, our children will pay the price. How, how are your kids doing now since your change of heart and your new life? Like how did they react <laughs> yeah. when you were going through that? So I'll tell you, my relationship with God is the only reason that got me through such a tragedy in our family. My son fell victim to a sexual crime that was committed on him by a child that we actually adopted into our home. Again, it's a pruning, and I don't look at it to try to find a positive message, but the mess that my son fell into is going to be a message because as a father— I had to make a very tough and instantaneous decision. When the news came out of his mouth, we were thinking that it was our daughters who had fell victim. So I'm focused on my daughters and my wife and I are like, we got to make a decision. Our household is falling apart. We tried to do the Lord's work. It didn't work out for whatever reason, but we're not going to blame God. We're going to blame the devil, we're going to blame the enemy and we're going, to, we're going to worry about adding solutions to a problem, not problems to a solution. And so instantaneously, my ex-wife, the thought process of my ex-wife was molested as a child. My current wife was also a victim of sexual crimes as a child. The main difference is my current wife's dad was in her life solid figure till he was drastically taken 
off of the earth when she was 23 years old by a drunk driver. But throughout that process, he was the main thing in her life. My ex-wife had no relationship with her father at that time. And that sexual crime or sin or frustration or obligation has affected her entire life. So I knew in that moment I had to make this, turn this mess into a message. And the one thing that will keep this situation from defining my son or my children or how I step into my faith. I've literally had people from our community say, you were always on social media talking about faith. And when this came out in the community, a lot of people questioned whether or not you would still fall back on your faith. And you did a lot of good in our community by not changing and not blaming God and not running away again and realizing that the price that my family has paid is based on sins that I committed before I died to self and became a new being. Galatians 2.20 is my life verse. I am no longer who I once was. I am now a God-breathed spirit living through faith in the Son of God. So I had to die to self. And in that process, man, my kid's life, I, it's, we haven't had a better time. I've got a 21-year-old. I've got a 17-year-old daughter. I've got a 15-year-old stepdaughter. And then our caboose is Lane. He's our nine-year-old. He's a great athlete, great kid, super smart. He definitely grounds me in a lot of ways. And my daughters were affected by this in school. Kids are cruel nowadays. Things happen. People talk. And my son channeled that in several different ways. The therapy that's got him through has literally been my life transformation. The therapy that my kids have seen the most benefit of is me leaning on my faith and leading our family to a relationship with God and never straying. You know, while they may ultimately in the past need some clinical therapy, right now, our relationship, our family unit and dynamic has never been stronger. My wife and I's communication and relationship as a husband and wife has never been stronger. And our family dynamic has really been a pruning product of some tough times in our life. Thanks for sharing all that, man. That was a lot. Yeah. One thing I'm noticing about you just from our interview so far is it, you don't seem to be holding on to a lot of shame or regret because you're talking about these sins of the fathers and you're talking about your sins. And it sounds like that was devastating what happened to your son. How do you not beat yourself up? How are you moving forward so cleanly? And I know it might not be that clean, but it appears that way. So something's sure. happening here. Tell me about it. So I think the one thing is possibility. I've never been around a family who was very intentional about their legacy. And I mean that from a core values-based legacy, not, oh, we're the Ford family or we want to, the Sam's or Walmart family and we want to leave a legacy of a business. Living a life of family core values, one of our core values as a family is servant leadership. So when I got around legacy-minded people and I saw Pastor Keith Kraft, who's a mentor of mine, and his son, Joshua Kraft, who lived the first 35 of his years of his life running away from his dad, he said something to me that he found that his ship is now yoked to his father's ship because the benefits of him teaching the, him the way he thought is the reason why his life is where it is now. So when I first got around a legacy-minded son and father and watched a son honor his father the way a kingdom-minded man should and watched a father pour into his son 
and pass down that legacy mindset, kingdom mindset, a growth mindset. I was just captivated by it. That is what area that I wanted. That was what I needed. That was the missing piece in my life. And so living that legacy mindset, it became who I am. It became every single conversation, every interaction with my children, every little thing in my home is intentional. We don't really do anything by accident here anymore. And that's the one area I could have sit here. The sins of my father fell on me, but I still don't have the greatest relationship with my dad, but he is a product of what was modeled for him. So how far will we go back in the line playing the blame game before we realize I have to be the one? I'm the chain breaker in my family. And that's what was exemplified to me through a legacy possibility is, you know, the sins of everyone in your family, the generational sins are continuing to pass down. Who's going to be the guy to break the chain? Who's going to be the guy to say, you know what? This stops with me. I'm the one. I'm not free of sin. I'm not free of flaws. But when I step, when you step into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you feel his anointing on your life and you feel his presence, you have no choice but to die to self. And so being around the right people to channel the way I thought and to think legacy, I had to die to self and become a new spirit breathed by God, understanding that I'm just wrapped in sinful flesh. I don't have time to harbor anger, resentment, guilt. I'm trying to build a legacy. And there's no part of legacy that is rooted in my past. Everything in legacy is rooted in who I am now, who my relationship is with God now, and where we go going forward. So I can't hold on to things that are, that are going to hold me back anymore. I've done that for too long. I'm at the halfway point of my life, man. I am in the halftime. You want a sports analogy? Sometimes zero to 20, we're in the first quarter and we're out there just on the court or on the field trying to figure it out. We're showboating. Hey, look at me. We get into the second quarter and it's like, hey, these guys ain't playing around. The enemy's coming after me. I don't really have a plan. I'm just going to fight it out. And you get to halftime at 40 years old and you're like, whoo, life, life whooped my butt. I'm down by 20. What do I do? I got 40 to 60 years old, which is the next series of impact, the next season of my life where I could create impact so that when I enter into the fourth quarter, the sage season of my life, I am inserting the subs into the game. I'm not in a full court press at 70 years old trying to cry out to God to save me. It was intentional. My substitutes, my children are on that court and I'm on the sideline cheering them on rather than telling them what they should be doing because the fruit that I put in when they were watching me is how they're performing, closing out the game of life for me. So that analogy through legacy made me realize I have to die to self. I have to let go of who I once was if I'm going to ever make the impact for my family that I need to. And it's possible you can die today, bury who you once were, look back for speculation and revelation and continue moving forward. He is the lamp at your feet. And that's all you need, man. That's all you really need to move forward. So what I'm hearing you say is you're you're living presently and you're letting Christ's atonement free you of the past and you're living presently. It's beautiful, man. You're talking a lot about legacy and let me see if I'm getting this right. Legacy to you seems to be a very powerful motivator because it doesn't just involve you. In fact, the reason why it's so powerful is it's because it's not about you. It's about the people 
under you, the people yeah. that you were stewards over. Am I getting that right? 100%. Our family core values are growth, honor, excellence, and servant leadership. If I'm going to truly build a legacy, my family has to buy into that legacy. My family has to buy into what makes us move. Everyone, all four, all six of us want to move. We want to grow. In order to embody those core values, I can't explain something called legacy to my nine-year-old son, my 16-year-old daughter, my 21-year-old son who's still trying to just figure life out. He came into my life at 14 years old. Guess what happens when you blend a family? The two kids from either side have a father wound. I can only manage the one that I created. I can try to manage the one that I inherited, but how do I get everyone on the same page of legacy? I start with what is it going to take to get there? Intentionality, stewardship of the relationship, becoming a better communicator, living as a prophet, priest, king, and warrior in my home. But those core values are what changed everything. We sat down on a whiteboard session in my home office, myself, our kids, and my wife. We read some scripture. We studied it. We interpreted it. And I said, I want to set everybody's hearts up for selecting some core values. And those are the rub rails of our life. That's what keeps us on track to know that this is of God. You have t These are teenagers, American teenagers, yeah. and you sit down with a whiteboard and you're talking about core values and yeah. they've seen your past and they see that you're trying to do better. And do they give you good answers? Do they take this seriously? Be real. How is this yeah. meeting? Oh, absolutely. So the first part of it. It was a lot of me talking and them looking at me like I was crazy. Yes, that's what I, that's what I was envisioning. Yeah. And then throughout the moment, believe it or not, my nine-year-old son is the first person who said the first core value. Now, it's not what we adapted, but my intention here is to get them on an understanding of what building a legacy is. I can do that by using tools like a core value, which is a building block. What, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What makes you feel accomplished? What makes you feel unaccomplished? So we, we believe that as a family, we love to serve others. All of us have a spirit of helping. What does that look serving. like? Can you tell me what that looks like, yep. serving others? Being selfless, being a servant leader. Like my, my, our kids are leaders on their sports teams and leaders in their extracurricular activities. But they're leaders because their peers voted them as leaders, because they don't view themselves as a leader in terms of an iron fist mentality. They're, we are selected as leaders by our peers because we live to serve. We walk in rooms as a family looking to complete, not to compete. We are here when our family comes in a room. I want people to say, man, the Terrebones are here. Not, oh God, the Terrebones are here. So when I got my family to think we walk into high school football stadium on Friday night, I want, I want to be the thermostat. We want to be a family that brings the kingdom. So we have to serve. We have to be able to wash feet. We have to be able to do these things if we want to follow Jesus. And so my kids saw my life transformation. They bought into a belief system of Jesus Christ paying our debt and bought into my system. And when we sat down over about a two-week, three-week period, we all agreed that we wanted to grow. We didn't want to do things to be like society and conform to the patterns of the world. We wanted to grow in everything that we did. So we acknowledge growth as a core value. We acknowledge servant leadership as a core value. Excellence. We show up, we bring it. 
we don't show up halfway or we don't show up. We embody excellence as a family. My wife owns a store. She has a staff. She embodies excellence. We want things done in a manner of excellence and honor. Honor is the key that makes everything in life work. When you honor because you're honorable, not because the person you're honoring deserves honor, you unlock everything in that person's life and they become an open book to you and they, are, they become part of your life. Those core values became the guardrails of our life. And so we recite them. We talk about them, not near as often as we should because they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. They like to get on iPads just as much as anybody else. I'm not out here trying to say that we walk in and we have a salute <laughs> on core values. Legacy to me also just means thinking with the end in mind. We created a vision on what we wanted our family to look like when I was in my 60s and what my kids would look like as adults. And then we began putting in steps to get to that point. If you want to be 60 years old and you and your wife want to be on stage and speaking at churches and empowering blended families and empowering marriages by our kids stewarding all the gifts and the blessings that we put upon them and that they understand pruning and that things are going to get tough and they're living a life of servant leadership. What decisions do you have to make today for that to be the fruit of the fourth quarter of your life? It has to be intentional. And so that's how we got our kids on board was building simple core values that as a family, it wasn't just me following them. It was something that everybody could follow. Cool. And did they all buy in? Maybe not equally, but they're all on board. Are they all solid with it? Yes and no. It's a work in progress. We call we talk about whip a lot. It's work in progress. As a family, we're growing every yeah. day. There's sometimes I'm like, are you the 21-year-old or are you the nine-year-old? And there's sometimes I could look at the 16-year-old and tell her the same thing. Are you nine right now? <laughs> it happens. And there are days that I don't show up, man. There are days that I get caught up wearing the king and warrior face, and I leave the prophet priest behind, and I come into the home some days as a tyrant, and my best accountability partner is my wife who can say, hey, whoa, time out, buddy. This is not the guy who leads by example and leads by core values. And if you don't have that in your family, which is grace that's created through our faith in God, it would be very hard for any of us to buy in, even though I'm the guy who led the way in that regard, I'm the spiritual leader, yeah. but I can't make them buy in. You know what makes family buy in? Tell me. Fruit. Fruit. It, I talk to guys a lot. I, had a, I got a text message in my phone right now from a guy that I lead, and I got off a coaching call this morning with another guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Same problem. Hey, man, I want to level up in my life spiritually. I want to level up in these areas, but I'm really concerned my wife is not going to follow me. If that is your number one concern, you missed the mark. Your wife is not going to follow a rapid change in who you are, even if it's for the best. Your wife will follow fruit. If the fruit that you're trying to bear as a husband and as a father is not seeded in good fertile soil through a relationship with God, it is going to rot before it ripens and no one will follow that. So you'll be running a marathon, seeking God, looking back, constantly looking to see where your family is in the rearview mirror. You know what? If you are after God's own heart, your leadership is going to pull them up and you will be so spiritually mature. You'll go meet them where they are and you will carry them to where you are and it will never dull your own spiritual sword. So as a man, 
you have to focus on producing fruit. And when your wife bites into that fruit, if it's the right fruit, if it's from God, you will never have to ask her to follow you again. She will just do it. And it's the same situation with your kids. They don't follow this. They follow fruit. Dude, that, I think that's my favorite thing you've said today. Because it's so easy when you read an idea or you start to do improve. You're like, hey, why isn't everyone right here with me? And that's just our ego yeah. just making comparisons against other people. And that's an incredible truth, man. I'm not going to forget that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Dude, so many men out there are in wilderness periods. They're Christians. They're believers. They believe in God. They're just kind of living their life. If someone out there is in their wilderness period, what do you want to tell them to get them out of it? What is your, what is Travis's unique message that he wants to tell them? I would say my one message would be for whatever you want in life, you're going to pay a price. I want to talk about the price of choosing the alternative, choosing your will for your life versus choosing God's will. There is going to come a time where you are going to pay for that. You are going to have to atone for those decisions. It's not going to look like we think it's going to look because we've been pursuing our own will. What it's going to look like is the hearts of our children. It's going to, what it's going to look like is our kids are going to become the one thing that they despised about us because we're not very intentional. Our marriage is not going to yield fruit. Our personal lives, our physical fitness, our financial lives, we're going to get to a point where we're going to hit a dead end in every area of our life without pursuing God's will. And that isn't, that is the most expensive price you will pay. So on the, just on the other side of a simple decision, when you realize, man, you know what? I've been doing all the things. I show up in church. I can't figure out why people are raising their hands. I'm a believer. I don't read the Bible much, but I know God's got a plan for my life. And I don't know why my kids have no soft skills and know how to communicate with people. And they're whiny brats. And my wife is on social media and our sex life has gone in the dumps and we just can't make things work. And she's buying stuff to make her happy. That is you paying a price because your family is going to pay it because you refuse not to pay it. On the other side of a legitimate decision that as a man we are created, Joshua 1.9 behind me says, do nothing but be strong and courageous. Literally, that's my best part of the verse in the old King James Version. It says, do nothing but be strong and courageous. Draw a line in the sand. Make a decision because if you don't, the price you have to pay is only your life. You will come to the end of a life and it will look, you will be 75, 80 years old and you will have no meaning. It will have had no impact. You will have hurt more people than you helped. You will have nothing to pass down but negativity. You will not have lived a life of impact. Your funeral will be a lonely place. It will be what your legacy is will be forgotten about before you're cold in the grave. If that's the life you want to live as a man, continue doing what you're doing. Continue following your will. And you, when you get to the end and that throne room and God says, free, free from me because I have, I, you have not known me. I have not known you. That is the price you pay for the life you chose not to live. Or we can choose the hard today. You can say, you know what? I'm tired of trying to fill this God-sized hole in my heart. I know I'm on a wilderness period. Take everybody out of the picture. Get in the bathroom, lonely, broken, 
naked, look in a mirror, and that is you and God. That is you, your flesh, your spirit, and God in a room. And he knows the desires of your heart. He knows who you're talking to in that mirror, not the guy who's on the outside. It's a price. You can choose to pay a hard price today, which is a pruning, that God will cut off every branch in you that does not bear fruit, and he will throw it into the fire. But he will also cut off every branch in you that bears fruit, and it will be even more fruitful. So what price do you want to pay for your life? Do you want to get to the end and die of no significance, no impact, nothing to leave behind? Or do you want to live a life where you have helped people, you've been fruitful, you've made an impact on this earth, your thousands of generations because of you have created and fostered a relationship with God and what that looks like in the kingdom here on earth. Until he comes back, that is my sole purpose, man. Brother, it is making an impact and leaving a legacy. And you can't do that without paying a price. That's so true. Dude, you got me all hyped up. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's go. Let's do man, it. We serve, we serve, hey, we serve a moving God, man. We serve a God of motion. Faith without works is dead. I talk... Guys talk about, man, I'm in my wilderness period and what do I do? I know what you're saying, make a decision, but what are the actual steps? I always look at it like this. There's only one thing and one person that could heal a broken heart and that's God. You make the decisions you make today because of the damage done to your heart and it may not even be your fault. It could also be the outcome of decisions that you made or that you didn't make that broke your heart. But we can't, me and you, and there's no human walking the earth that could heal my broken heart or Eric's broken heart. So how do we invite God in if we don't have that way of thinking? It starts with discipline. The book of James, very first few verses, consider it pure joy, brethren, when we face trials of many kind because perseverance produces faith. If we can walk into God's discipline for our life and start thinking that way here, we can allow the tools that God gives us to change the way we think. And we can start thinking with the end in mind. We can run away from fast and loud and we can accept discipline as something that's gonna mature us. God will creep into our heart and we will wake up one day and say, man, I've been reading my Bible and I've been, whether it's one proverb a day or I've been getting in the gym, I've been having prayer time with my wife, I've been doing Bible study with my kids and you know what? I've I, I just been going through the motions. God's going to show up. God's going to honor that. He's going to give you anointing. He's going to help to heal your heart and show you that it's possible that if you continue to pursue him. So that is the practical, tactical things. Don't think all of a sudden today from your wilderness period, God's just going to show up like, like on the road to Damascus. He may. Don't put it past him. But he's going to show up in your life. When you move, God's going to move. We serve a God of rhythm. We serve a God of movement. How do I get into a rhythm to speak with God? I get in that rhythm. I can hit a rhythm all day long. This is me waking up. This is me being intentional. This is me praying when I get up. This is me praying over my wife. This is me leaving my screen down, not looking at my phone. This is me taking in food to nourish my body and not to nourish my heart. This is me stepping into the gym. This is me being an encourager. This is me going to church. This is me serving in my church. What happens when the rhythm changes? We fall off course. God's a God of rhythm. Stay in rhythm with him and he will light your path. He will pull you the rest of the way if you're willing to submit just in the discipline part.
Dude, I love it. You're a preacher, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. I really, I feel it. This is truth, man. I feel it. So thank you so much. Yeah, um, absolutely. What's your personal daily co- commune with the divine? My personal day looks a lot like what I said. I'll start my mornings off. What time I'm you get up? I'm a 5, 5.30 type guy no matter what. I'll sleep till 6. I wear this whoop band that monitors my sleep. I'm at a point in life right now that if I chose to sleep till 6 a.m., I could, but I leave. That first hour in the morning is for me and the Lord. I've done some really practical things. My phone stays on a charger away from my bed so that I have to get up in the morning to silence it. And my alarm says, be great today, put God first. And so if I'm going to talk about tithing or putting God first in any area of my life, it's got to be with the first part of my day. So I get up, I fix a cup of coffee, I get my Bible out. I do one proverb a day. On the date today, I read Proverbs 31 and five Psalms because there's 150 Psalms divided by 30 days of the month. It's five Psalms a day. And then at night, I'm going through a reading plan. I'll get back in the word at night. Give This is one, top, one tool that's helped me. Give yourself one year, no, no secular music, only worship music, only personal development or kingdom-minded podcasts. Set a limit on your social media activity. When you use social media, use it to further the kingdom or don't use it at all. Those are practical, tactical steps. I get up every morning. I send my staff a Loom video speaking a word of encouragement on what I read in the Bible every single day. On Monday mornings, I have blue collar ministry. My employees come in from seven to eight o'clock. I go in there and talk about life. We don't talk about work. We talk about the kingdom. We talk about life. We talk about marriages. We talk about fatherhood. We talk about intentionality. We talk about a method. I eat meal prep food for the majority of the time because you can't argue when you eat clean, you live clean, you feel clean, you look good, vice versa. I'm an hour and a half type guy in the gym every day. I'm on a spiritual podcast. I'm listening to a preacher. I'm reading a book right now, an audio book called Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle of Life Church. I only take in content that is of the kingdom or personal development. I'm coming up on my one year anniversary. That changed my life. I work off of a 75 hard prototype, but I do give myself some grace. If I slip in areas, that day might get chalked up as an L. I won't win that day. But for the most part, everything that I do is intentional. Two-week date night with my wife. Every Tuesday night, I lead a men's Bible study here in my home. I'm moving that to every other Tuesday because I'm going to lead a couple's study so that I could sow into my wife's spiritual maturity as well. And man, I am bounced back and forth between whatever company needs me that day. I pursue God's will. I constantly live in prayer of God. I want you to increase so that I can decrease. I want your will for my life, not my own. And so I pursue things that feel right, that feel good. I don't pursue things that bring anxiety. That's not from the Lord. I don't do fast and loud. I do peace. Are there struggles? Absolutely. But I've learned throughout my day to embrace the pruning because God's got promises on the other side of that pruning that we that is more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So every day is intentional, man, but I do give myself some grace. I coach my kids. I do practices at night, but when I'm around other kids, 
I'm speaking from a kingdom mentality. I don't care if they're nine or 19. It is what it is. That's who I am. I wear shirts like this. I got rid of 90% of my wardrobe. I got scripture tattooed on my hand because when I walk in a room, I want to leave no doubt of who I am, what I'm about. I recently went to Vegas to meet with Tommy. I stayed with Tommy, but I was in a, the biggest business meeting of my life. Couldn't decide on what I wanted to wear. I wore this t-shirt and a sport coat because when I walked into the room, if there was going to be a partnership, it was going to be of God. I needed them to know within two seconds who I am and what I was about. We received lunch in that business meeting. My wife and I prayed over our food because I am not going to live a life conforming to the patterns of this world. I am going to allow God to renew my thinking and change the way I think because I want to test his will. I want to test God's will for my life. I want to know what you got for me, bro. Let's roll. I got to get out of my own way. And so my wardrobe has changed. My, my talk has changed. My speech has changed. My intake on content has changed. Everything has changed. And I, it is literally more than I can ask, think, or imagine. I can't even explain it. Travis, your life is literally a testimony of Jesus Christ. You describing your Amen. past life of adultery and broken marriages and this, your past sins, and then you describing your day right now. How could you have time to do any of those things? How could you have the heart to do any of those things when you're praying to, to let your will die and to just talk with people and meet them where they are. That's what Christ did. He met them where they are. He told them stories right. that they could understand. Man, this has been such an uplifting, motivational. I don't really like the word motivational because it doesn't last long, but it's just, dude, this is good fruit. So I'm really grateful to have you on yeah. and know this. And where can people, where can dudes who want to dive deeper with Travis, like where can they find you? Eric, can I share just one more thing? Dude, absolutely. Before, before we go, before we get yeah. into that. This is something new that I've been imploring onto my personal life and my family and the lives of those around. The Lord put the 23rd Psalm on my heart. And when I was studying through the book of John and we got to John chapter 11, where he talks about being the good shepherd and the sheep know his voice and they enter heaven through a narrow gate. The very next day, the Lord put the 23rd Psalm and it talks about on my heart and it talks about the staff and our rod protecting us. Let's illustrate that. Let's look at that in 2023. The rod is the protector. The rod keeps the enemy away from his sheep. But the staff is that long hook. And in Psalms 23, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Imagine being in the desert in Jerusalem. And what does a green pasture look like? It's not what we think it is. It's not Kentucky bluegrass that's lush and knee-high. It's different. So how can, how does, how did Jesus as the good shepherd get his sheep to lie down in a place where it was time to harvest, lie down in a green pasture? That was that hook. He would pick their head up, point their nose to the horizon, point their nose up to Jesus and say, follow my lead. I will make you whole. I will lay you down with rivers of living water. And when it's time to harvest, I will tell you it's time to harvest. That is such an amazing illustration of our lives. That is our convictions. So how can we live that? Jesus taught in signs and wonders. What is a modern day 2023 sign and wonder? Guess what it is? It's a spirit-led family. It's a kingdom-based family who lives a life of legacy, 
who lives a life of passion and purpose, who lives a life of Jesus Christ, who can go to a sporting event, who can speak at a church, who can speak at an auditorium, who can help people, who can, the lowest of the low, who can wash feet. That is a modern day sign and wonder. Don't think you have to do things that are unheard of. A modern day sign and wonder is living a kingdom-based lifestyle. You only do that with intention. So my, my message for all of you who might be seeking right now is you want to perform a modern day sign and wonder? That staff that is God is trying to continuously pick your head up with, it's not time to harvest, brother. It is not time to harvest. He is going to tell you when it's time to eat. It's a time to sow and sow into God and he will sow into you. So that's what I wanted to share in closing. Amen, brother. I think we end it there. But if people want to reach out to you, how do they find you? I'm a simple dude, man. Travis Terrebone is all of my socials. Now I have a YouTube channel called Mission.Manhood. My, my leadership platform, that'll, my podcast that'll be launching very soon is called Live Your Legacy. I'm hoping you'll come on and be a guest. Dude, I'll be there. But yeah, Travis Terrebone, so search me up on Instagram, YouTube. My email is travisterrebone at Gmail. I'd love to connect. I'd love to share some resources, tools, tactics, and practical steps on how to leave, leave a kingdom-based legacy lifestyle. Cool. I'll make sure to tag you in our social posts so people can easily yeah. find you. Travis, dude, thank you once again. This has been incredible. I appreciate it's awesome, it. awesome, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to pray us out if that's okay with oh, you yeah, being go, you prayed please, us in. Please, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Father God, I just ask that you continue to bless the relationships that you put into my life, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, where two or more gather in your name, you are here with us, Lord. And I felt, and I know Eric felt your Holy Spirit today, Lord. So I want to thank you and honor you for that. Lord God, every man, woman, and child out there listening to this podcast, everybody in the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you would open heaven and send angels down, station them around them, ward away words of the enemy, Lord, ward away words of Travis, ward away words of Eric, Lord, and open their hearts for words of you, Jesus, that your word would transpire into people's life that would fill that God-sized hole in their heart and would empower all men. Men, lead your homes as prophet, priest, king, and warrior, Jesus said to. And I, God, I just pray for spiritual discernment over every man listening, every woman listening. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your dad, kids, if you're listening. It's never too late, God. Empower them to change the way they think and show up, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to show up like your word tells us in their hearts. And we're gonna change the world with you at the center, Lord. So we honor you, we praise you, we love you, we worship you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. More importantly, I hope you feel closer to your creator and want to solidify your relationship with him. If you can think of someone who needs to hear this episode, send it their way, don't hesitate. Also, leaving a review is huge for me in this podcast, so please leave one. If you find yourself wanting to strengthen your relationship with God or increase your spirituality, I'm a huge fan of the Skylight app. It's full of beautiful, high-quality daily spiritual practices that will immediately lift you up to a higher consciousness. If you'd like to suggest a guest for a future episode, hit me up at themenwholovegod at gmail or on Instagram at menwholovegod. Finally, never forget, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him.